You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 325 and 326 of Fed by Ravens. And uh, if you've been following along with the year, you will know that uh, this has landed on or around Thanksgiving. Woo! So I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, Matt. I did. I'm thankful for... Um, I don't want to say this publicly, but I'm thankful for you. Oh. Perfect response. Um, oh, thanks. Cool. Are you thankful for... Cool. Are you thankful for maybe me? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Good. Well, that's out of the way. All right. Let's get into the Bible. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, and we are thankful for the Word of God and for uh, Him even drawing us into it. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. So let's get to it. We are 40 chapters deep. Well, I'll let you do that. Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 40 through chapter 42. Chapter 40, we just come off some great chapters about, just to remind myself, we had the Valley of Dry Bones, and before that, uh, there was another great chapter about it's escaping my mind, but I was really excited about it. When I read it. <laughs> oh, where he talks to the mountains and the new creation. Yeah. So the themes are they're in exile. Jerusalem has fallen, and mm-hmm. he's prophesying to the mountains, to the land, to the nations around it, to the people, the valley of dry bones. He's going to recreate us, give his breath into us. He then shuts down even the metaphor of all evil empires and nations that are always at enmity with God. God is protecting everything. And uh, so you get the earth, you get the recreation of the people of God, and then really the third character in the story we say is God, but really it's about his presence. There's mm-hmm. this, throughout the scriptures, if you've, been, if you've been paying attention at all, you realize the temple yes. is a major player. It's a major character yes. in this whole story. And temple represents God's presence with his people. And so we hit that. Predictably, Ezekiel is then told to prophesy and give a vision of a new temple. Yes. And he's given, it's been given to him on the 14th year after the city was struck down. On that very day, the hand of the Lord was upon me. So it's 14 years since the worst possible thing could have happened. All hope has been literally turned into rubble. Yeah, it's now been snuffed out. Like all hope of, oh, a rescue and... We're going to go back. Now there's nothing to go back to. And all the uh, kind of optimism of false prophets, like, Mm -hmm. no, we'll be back after two years. Well, it's been 14 years, Mm -hmm. so that saving you is long gone. Mm -hmm. Your kids now are 12 years old, never even knowing or seeing the real temple. Right. And it's gone forever. Until God puts this prophecy and this vision onto uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. So he does something... Similar to what he did with Ezekiel before was before the temple was destroyed, he took Ezekiel to the temple in spirit and kind of gave him this tour of everything, and he was showing him the corruption that was within the temple walls. And so now he's bringing him back to the place, and he's showing him this freshly made temple, and it's clean, it's pure, it's organized, it has very specific measurements, and... And he's going through and measuring each area of the temple. 
Dude, you just reminded me. I've forgotten he did get the tour of the real temple, mm-hmm. which was full of corruption. Yes. And that's been cleansed. You're right. And in those times, those visions too, he had a guide, right? Yep. He would be with the Lord or the mm-hmm. Spirit of the Lord. So in this vision, he is being, based, essentially there's a tour guide whose yep. appearance, a man whose appearance was like bronze with a linen cord and a measuring reed in his hand. And mm-hmm. I believe he was introduced earlier. We saw him in one of those early visions. We did. He just wasn't used. And so the rest of this chapter, and really 41, 42, are the tour of this temple. Now, previously, and I have to admit, it's very tempting as you're reading this, you start to kind of fall asleep. Oh, yeah. Asleep in the sense of your mind can't really, you just keep asking yourself, what's the point? Because this guide goes with Ezekiel and measures every door jam. Mm-hmm. Like literally it's the door jams are six cubits wide, <laughs> 10 cubits high. Yeah. And it's posts are, um, or like the little things above the door jam, you have palm trees. Yeah. Everywhere. Palm trees are everywhere. And then once you get into the s- central place, you see palm trees and cherubim. Yes. And so for the modern, the reader of today, it is very helpful. I had to go to um, a map of this temple. Like you find a resource online or in your Bible, mm-hmm. and it shows you people have, for the last several hundred years, thousand years, two thousand years, have thought through these things in a deeper way than we have, and they've drawn diagrams, which are very helpful because yeah. halfway through reading this, so essentially he's going through the outer gate where the Gentiles were allowed. Then he mm-hmm. goes into the um, the inner parts of it and eventually he works his way to the holy of holies yes through the whole thing right yes but it finally hit me i finally got it halfway through and i kept trying to re um reset my mind and not just fall asleep and go get through this so i can say i've read the bible (laughs) um because we really are so disconnected from the temple yes it makes no sense to us it does and so you have to keep reinserting okay why is this important and what's happening Mm -hmm. and it hit me God gives measurements. He's taking a guy saying, I'm measuring this. And, and so then you ask the question, like, what is the use of measuring anything? Why do we measure anything? Why, what is the point of measuring? When you have the measuring tape out, what are you usually doing for what purpose? And what's the, what's the point? Accuracy. Accuracy. Well, perfection. Like, mm-hmm. if you mess this up. So we've built many things. Yep. And we, we dread the measurement. But when you're cutting wood and doing things, it's like you got to check twice. Yep. It's like measure, measure, measure twice, twice cut, cut once. Cut once is the rule. And I just realized he's showing the people of God there is a dwelling place of God. Yes. And it is perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything is measured perfectly. And now why does it have to be perfect? Well, it has to be perfect because you want your house to be built right. Right. But it's perfect because God is perfect and... It has to be perfect because uh, it has, it's open to north, south, east, west. Like the whole world is coming in mm-hmm. through this. So if you have the north gate, which is big and broad, and then the uh, the south gate is like really hard to find and mm-hmm. not, that's not fair. God's just and he wants all nations to be saved. And so he's created north, east, and south gates to be easily accessible. The The four corners, I know the west is kind of where the back of the temple is, but mm-hmm. the idea is God is perfect. He cares about it. And then what I thought, what my mind went to is when Jesus says, cause you can, you can read a lot into this, right? Oh yeah. 
if you start playing symbolic numbers and trying mm -hmm. to tell the future from this, you're gonna it's a dead end of confusion. Because what Ezekiel is doing as a priest is he knows the temple and he is using old covenant language. He's using the terms of old covenant language to mm -hmm. talk about the new covenant of peace. Yes. And so there's a dwelling place of God and and um, and it's perfect. That's that's essentially what I was being overwhelmed with, and I was thanking God. Then, as he builds the inner the inner court out and the perfect holy of holies, you start connecting. Like Jesus says, um, what's his famous, one of his famous speeches, I go and prepare a place for you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you. And so the old mind might think, just like you prepared the temple. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is, is saying, yes. Yes. And it's measured out. It's mm -hmm. thoughtful. It's gorgeous. There's rooms for my priests to live in. There's room for everything. Only mm -hmm. the difference is uh, where you, many of us would have had to stop in the outer courts. Right. We now get to go into the inner temple, the most holy of holies, a perfect symmetrical cube. You, he sees cherubs with two faces, mm -hmm. human and a lion. And the interesting thing from that is it's a little different from his first time. He saw four faces in yeah. that vision. Yeah. And so it might be just what he saw, two faces. But the idea of it's human and it's royal, it's lion, it's... Well, Judah. Judah, yeah, the people of God. Mm -hmm. And it's facing towards this palm tree. When you see palm trees, think... Garden of Garden Eden. Garden of Eden. Think, uh, and these are the... I think palm trees were even uh, on the, the currency in Jerusalem. Like mm -hmm. it was kind of their national sign mm -hmm. because they're remembering... We were created to live in Eden with God, the original temple, the presence of God, in the land of God as the people of God. And so the story is amazingly consistent, even in its details of six cubits, ten cubits. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, a cubit is basically the length between your elbow and the end of your hand. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever helped someone move, you've maybe used that kind of measurement to make sure a uh, lazy boy can get through yes. an apartment door. Yes. You're like, okay, it's about one and a half of this. And <laughs> it's what you use as measurement because it matters. Mm -hmm. And for us to get into the inner temple, the measurements have to be perfect. Right. And, and we are not, but God is. And so um, that that's what I got out of this. I thought it was so great. Um, also, it's putting forth hope for all the exiles. Yeah, that's what I, I was getting struck with was okay it's 14 years at this point you are like we are never going back at this point you're just now swinging to oh we're stuck in exile forever the temple is never going to be rebuilt we're never going to see our homeland again there's never going to be a people of god in jerusalem ever again and here ezekiel is seeing a vision of a very tangible place being measured out very thoughtfully to a point that you can diagram it out on a page mm -hmm. and architects hearing this would be like, Oh, I understand this. I know how to build this. And now it's going, no, there will be a temple again. The blueprint, which has always been handed down by God is first, still alive. First to Moses with the tabernacle, mm -hmm. then, to, then to Solomon, Solomon and to Ezekiel. So I just, if it's Thanksgiving time. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a message for all of us just today to be thankful for, it's that you look at the ruins, the things that have turned to ruins mm -hmm. in your life. Because, you know, holidays are times where you recognize the strain of family. You've, we've ruined some things. Yes. It's not hopeless. Right. God has a blueprint for the relationships you long for. Yeah. God has measured it out. He's gone before you. And so at a minimum, 
and a maximum for us, we can rejoice that God is in control and the temple, the places, the hopes, the dreams, though they are really dead, mm-hmm. he brings things back to life. Yeah. And I was just thinking too about how he cares about how he's going to interact with us. Yeah. And so he's even thought, like, and even creating Jesus, like, that was a blueprint. Like, that was not something he thought of, like, that was an afterthought or right. plan B. It was, uh, no, this is how I want to dwell with you. And so he's separating, again, there's the separation of the holy and the common, mm-hmm. but he's making us holy so that we can enter in. Yes. Um, a lot like what thousands, millions of people did on Thanksgiving when they prepared thoughtfully a table of food yeah. for their guests. Yeah. So uh, this is not too unlike what we expect in life and long for. Um, God is already doing it on our behalf. And so the temple is huge hope in the yes. midst of exile, yes. in the midst of a rubble of dreams. Thanks, nice. Ezekiel. New Testament readings for today is James chapter 5 and 1 Peter chapter 1 through chapter 2 verse 3. Wow. So James really hits, um, it's, you know, we have Black Friday where everyone goes shopping. Mm-hmm. If you read the Bible, <laughs> you might be confused. And if you've been following along on the, the yearly reading, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. <laughs> it definitely, James definitely creates a picture of you don't want to be rich. Yeah. Because when you're rich, you, it, the bridge to wanting to be God and actually feeling like God. Or just the feeling of you don't need God. Right. And so we start to act like God. As rich people, you start to act like God. Uh, or not act like God, to be God mm-hmm. and not act like him in justice and mercy. So he highlights what happens with gold and silver and the way you start using the structures of how we create things yes. on the backs of the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a social justice component to him. But again, it's not just for political purposes of, or even equity purposes. It's of God cares for people. And so, um, and power will corrupt you. Yeah. That's, it's not like, oh, it won't corrupt me, I'm different. It's power totally corrupts humans. It's mm-hmm. the nature of our condition. We have a sickness. And when we get luxury and we get ease and we, we start to uh, overlook the people we might be using mm-hmm. to maintain that, and that's usually the problem. Is like we step on people to get it, and then we step on, keep people down to keep it. And he's saying, we don't live like that. Right. We live with patience. And he uses like a farmer. He says, actually, we live with patience and we're waiting for God to make, we wait for God to be God. Mm -hmm. And so it's not against being rich. It's not like if you're rich today, get rid of everything. No, it's. He has the right to ask that of you, but he doesn't. He, it's more about keep your priorities straight, people. Remember that everything you have is a gift. Yes, because uh, the people of God too quickly assimilated to the powerful nations around them. And I think James is saying we cannot afford to fall into the same right. traps our ancient, uh, our ancestors fell into. Right, and then he has to cap it. Yeah, like he has to address suffering. Right, because that's what we're trying to avoid. We're always trying to avoid suffering, and he has to address it in saying, like, "Remember, just because you are a follower of Christ, does not mean 
you are exempt from suffering. Right. Things will things are still broken. Things are not perfect yet. You will still struggle. You will still have pain and you need to endure this with patience. Do not get discouraged by it. So he uses farming, mm-hmm. waiting with patience. They understood agriculture. But then he gets a little more pointed with Job. Yes. Like Job is one of our, our guys. Like mm-hmm. he's a hero of the faith. And Job was well acquainted with suffering, but he was steadfast. Right. And at the end of it, if you can hold on, you'll realize just how compassionate and merciful the Lord is. And in the midst of that suffering, don't start judging others. So the temptation back then was, same as today, Yeah. if something's not going well with someone else, we make a judgment. They must have sin. Mm-hmm. God's against them mm-hmm. because God only uh, gives good things. Right. He does only give good things in a world that's full of bad things. And so right. we walk through the bad uh, with the good. Yes. And good isn't always financial. It's not always the thing. We define it differently than God. God, yes. God would rather have your heart than uh, have you just be happy for mm-hmm. uh, a month before you run out of that gift and you're back to being discontent and angry. But then he gives us how do we get to that, I think. Yeah, I, I'm he trying totally to follow does. his logic here. Yeah. So it goes from being rich to you got to learn to be patient, don't judge others. And then he does say a thing about don't swear oaths. Mm-hmm. Basically, the when you're trying to control everything, the temptation to lie right. is greater because you're protecting. Yes. And so he's like, you just always speak honestly and you don't have to swear by God's name about much of anything. Mm-hmm. So we make oaths when we get married, we get baptized, we make oaths to Christ, but mm-hmm. we don't make much more and you shouldn't have to. Yeah. And the way you navigate this life then is prayer. Prayer. He's great on this. I yeah, say. this is a, a solid section. I, I really like this. And I like the breakdown of like, is anyone suffering? Pray. Yep. Is anyone cheerful? Sing praise. Praise. Form a prayer. Yeah. Are you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. Anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, I like this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Or, So there's a lot of yeah. different ways to say this. Um, and one of the ways is the translation of the word save is actually heal. Mm-hmm. Faith will heal the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. How many of you have ever called on the elders of a church, the leaders of your church, to come and pray for you and anoint you with oil when you're sick? Yeah, I know. My mom did once. Nice. Yeah. I've done it. Um, we've, we've done it for some people. We've done it for some people, but it's not the over... We do not get inundated with calls for that. No. We get inundated with calls for uh, money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, if that alone just says, kind of shows what James is trying to say, <laughs> um, the, the, the benefit of being in the people of God is, man, call upon the Lord, call upon the yes. people of the Lord, and then the prayer of faith will heal you, so there's healing, but then he even says the Lord will raise him up. Mm-hmm. And so the other idea here is it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. It's pray for healing now, but the prayer of faith uh, assures you that you are going to overcome death. Yes, you'll be and raised so, up in the last day. And then it goes into, look, and part of that healing, I just like his connection here because this yes. has helped my, our ministry greatly, is you start connecting um, sickness and fear and all that stuff to confessing your sins. Mm-hmm. Like, be unburdened. The real sickness 
over all of us. It can all be connected to our longing for independence from God. Mm-hmm. And so the sooner we we kind of flesh out where that's happening, so it's happening in our judgment of others, our stealing, our lying, our sin, the sooner you can confess that, you can actually be healed of the sickness of sin. Yeah. There's a healing balm for that. His name is Jesus Christ, and you are forgiven of your sin from the inside out. And so that's what he's focusing on. Like always begin there in all your fears and all your sickness. Begin with asking the Lord in all your cheerfulness. Begin with praising the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's and then you can endure with patience and walk it out, whether God heals you in this life or not, you are yeah. healed. But we certainly get to ask. And again, this is not a manipulation. Like I had the elders come and pray and I'm still sick. Right. Don't, it, no. That's not how we operate. We're operating with God's involved in this now. Yes, exactly. And so that'll even change the way mm-hmm. you suffer. You mm-hmm. might still suffer, but it will change you and change the way you suffer. And we hope for healing always, mm-hmm. but we trust the Lord. And that's where he gets to Elijah. Like, look, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And yeah. He had our nature. He was just like us. Well, I've never had this connected to uh, confession. Yeah. The prayer of confession. So it's like it's interesting. our prayers, so he connects that to prayer is powerful. So you can rest assured that your prayers for Lord, forgive me for my sins uh, effective. are effective yes. and heard and powerful. I just think it's great that the, the book where you typically think, James, of faith and works, like this is about doing. It, he it, lands with pray about everything. Everything, pray. And in our culture, especially social media, there had been a push. I haven't heard recently, but there was a push a while ago where don't just pray. It was like offensive to it say was. you're going to prayer and not give money. Or yeah, no, give. like people were getting in trouble for saying, I'll pray for you. Right. You should do more than just pray. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and essentially what everybody's doing is praying. Just to Facebook. They're praying to their God, which is money or what they can do to help and that and like we're not button. and we're not against yeah like button we're not against that that's we think is the overflow of faith you pray and then you are free to be a person who gives but prayer is more effective than anything else on the planet yeah. so get put that in your belt and of tools and start using it people mm-hmm. um, I think it's underused and then he ends with my brothers you know I understand you're gonna wander from some will wander from the truth. And it's hard times. But if you're not wandering from the truth, don't sit in judgment. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Like, try to sit, bring them back. Mm-hmm. Let them know that, he says, uh, if you can bring back a sinner from his wandering, it'll save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Yeah. So, like, whatever you've done and you feel disqualified and you can't look at God in the face because blah, 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 we are authorized to say, hey, come back. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And so that's as practical as it gets. That is. And Thank how you, that's going to look, it depends on where you live and who you are. But uh, thanks, James. Very practical. Again, James is not an apostle, so he's not trying to uh, pronounce or figure out the theology of Christ. He's simply applying practice to his church, yes. and it's beneficial for ours. We're not done with the New Testament, though. We go but that's, I mean, we're done with that book. We're done with James. Yeah. Thanks, James. There it is. All right. It's, you know, James outro. James outro. First Peter. So Peter writes two letters, and uh, this one 
I love how he begins. You can kind of see the need for it. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yes. That means he's one who's witnessed the life of Christ and the death and resurrection of Christ. He was there. Mm -hmm. And so that's his authority. Peter, an apostle. I've Mm -hmm. been entrusted with this message and sent to you. I'm saying that. That's That's what's meant by the word apostle. And then he lists the places in dispersion which is uh, very relevant to our um, Old Testament readings. At this point in time, in Christian history, mm-hmm. as well as Jewish history, there are Jews who are going to be, should be more open to the message of Jesus that are dispersed. They're yes. in all sorts of nations because of the exiles. Yes. And so he, he does that. But he has a lot of Gentiles. Peter's sent to Gentiles. Yeah. And so... I think this, I've usually just blazed through this greeting. Like, yeah. oh, it's just a nice greeting, and he's just being flowery. But, man, it, it is heavy. He says, um, first of all, you're chosen, right? Like, you're elect. Yes. Like, you might be scattered, but you're the chosen people of God just because you're not in the chosen land. land. Yeah. Uh, you are the chosen people of God by God the Father. And then he says, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling of his blood. Now, what I was thinking of was Peter was there when he saw this Holy Spirit fall upon the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. Yes. Peter had to defend that several times mm-hmm. to the council in Jerusalem. Yes. And he's saying, you Gentiles out there, I know persecution's rising and there is confusion about what you are. You're the new kid on the block, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But you have been sanctified. You have the Spirit of God, the breath that even Ezekiel talks about. And... There's like a temple inclusion here. You've been sprinkled by his blood. He is the high priest. Right. And so you're even involved in the <clears throat> temple. You're involved in the land. You're involved in the spirit. You are the people of God. Now, may grace and peace, that's an Aaronic blessing. Mm-hmm. May the grace and peace be multiplied to you. Because the temptation is, well, you're not in Jerusalem, and so you're not real. You're not pure. Yeah. You guys are like half-breeds of this thing. You know, it's like... and. Peter assures even us in America that we are part of the body of Christ. Yeah. And so this book used to be kind of confusing and you to me before, right. and I would like, you know, pick one or two verses. And I'm like, okay, there's I some like variants. that. Yes. That makes sense. Um, but after doing like a little bit studying on it last year, uh, it was cool to find out like traditionally – this is kind of seen as a post-baptism sermon. Yeah, so right. it's being read to Christians. Like this was a letter that he wrote to be read to Christians who just received baptism. Ooh, and a good note. Mm-hmm. Baptism at this particular time, yes. and for the first several hundred years of Christianity, was a big deal. It was a big deal. So you would yeah. become a... Uh, they had a word for it. I, I just went out of my mind. But... You would basically spend a year mm-hmm. in the church, yes, on a baptism track where they would disciple you for a couple of reasons. They wanted you to know what you're doing, but also they wanted to make sure you weren't trying to just blow up this house church. Right, you weren't like a Roman a sp- spy. You or... weren't a spy, and so you would be around. You'd be worshiping. You'd be helping. You'd be learning. You'd pass some kind of test, and it would accumulate on your baptism day, usually around mm-hmm. Easter. Yes, your uh, baptism day at Easter with a whole group of people would confess the apostles creed you would confess these things and you were born again into a living hope yeah and they would do something 
that we could definitely not do today, but it's really a kind of cool symbolic gesture, which is they would they would strip down from their old clothes, yes, and then enter into the waters, the river, wherever they were, being baptized, and then they'd come naked. out. Yeah, they'd be naked, and they they'd come out and be receive new white robes and be covered with the new white robes as they're like. This is your new identity. Right. Again, everything's a little more earthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're living in one room with your family. Nudity is not that big a deal. Right. You know, thank the Puritans. and Yeah. Um, like, the Victorian age kind of covered that up for us. We can't do that anymore. But yeah. but a cool <laughs> symbolic gesture. It is. You're a newborn babe. Mm-hmm. And then that leads you into the beautiful first chapter, which is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Right. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And there's a comma, and it keeps going because uh, these (laughs) run-on sentences by Peter and Paul, they're just so excited. Yes. And they're so packed because we need to anchor in these realities. Like Mm -hmm. Even though we didn't get baptized naked, even as babies, if that happened, this is a big deal. You are a living hope to the world, but right. to yourselves, and you've been born again in a power that's by God. And he guards you through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed the last time. So rejoice. I'm just reading the... I, I know, I know. You. You're just reading the whole thing. Because it's if you read one sentence, you're like through <laughs> most of the first chapter. <laughs> okay, I do have to read this line, though. I mean, it's so good. Though you have not seen him, because he's saying, keep your faith, keep yeah. the faith. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice Mm -hmm. with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The prophets looked into this. They didn't even see it was this good. Yeah, I love it. He does connect it to the prophets that we're reading about. And they got tastes and foreshadows of this Messiah figure that they had no idea and they had to realize, like, oh, we're not going to see this, but we're announcing this for the people who one day will. So, like, Ezekiel, he's talking about Ezekiel. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm announcing it for you. Mm-hmm. And they're waiting for this Holy Spirit thing. I mean, he mm-hmm. talks enough about it. And you guys got that. Yeah. Stuff that angels long to look. So, therefore, there's the big therefore as we round the corner of chapter one. Prepare your minds for action. Sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's if you look at it as, okay, it's being read to people who were just baptized. The first part is, this is the importance. This is a big deal. This is what this is about. The second part of chapter one is, now this is what's expected. Yes. Now that you're part of the family, this is how what's expected of you. And he actually puts on the Deuteronomy, like, you are holy. Yes. So be holy. Yeah. You shall be holy for I am holy. It feels heavy at first. Like, oh, this is not law. This is actually gospel. Like, you are holy now. Like, he's put the turban on on you saying you're set apart for the Lord. You've been baptized. And knowing you were ransomed from the feudal ways you inherited, you have a new, like a new inheritance. It goes. Oh, yeah. Where is that? uh, I was, verse 18 is where I was just Uh, quoting. Knowing that you were ransomed from feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Oh, yeah. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but the precious blood of Christ. Like a lamb without blemish or spot. Mm-hmm. And he was foreknown. See, there's the, you want to get caught up on the election and all that. Like, was I elect? Well, you're elect in Christ. Christ was elect before the foundation of the world, and now you have, you believe in him. 
Yes, yes. So, so yes, you are elect in Christ, but all have the opportunity to be elect by believing in Christ. Yeah, so I love uh, chapter 18, or verse 18 on, where it's this idea of you've been um, ransomed out of your old family of sin. Yes. And now you are being, you're inheriting this new family, this new family under Christ. Yes. And you are now set apart. You are now holy. You are now righteous before God. And you no longer are doomed to follow the patterns and the cycles of your family before you. And especially God's people before Mm -hmm. you. Like he's freed us from just surrendering to, we're going to be just like Israel and Judah Mm -hmm. because we see it happening. So then he says in chapter two, verse one through three, it's all we're supposed to go today. Yep. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So like, I know you're concerned about falling back into those cycles, but you can put it away now because you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. Like newborn infants Mm -hmm. long for the spiritual milk that you may grow into salvation. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Can't help but read I it. Know. First Peter, we uh, you're better than we expected. Woo! I so love it. Be encouraged today, baptized believer. You have a new and living hope, and you're called to be holy, uh, not on your own strength, but by birth. You are holy. So now live in that house. Our psalm today is Psalm 130. For those new city folk, you'll recognize this psalm as one of the songs we sing. Try not to actually sing it. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Boom. You've been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time. And we're thankful today. Thank you.